SEP Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 28 Forward Momentum Game night was back in full swing, much to everyone's delight. The first Saturday of the new term, the eighth years had gathered to catch up over an abundance of snacks and multiple rounds of a rather tame card game called Uno. Dean had specifically chosen this one so that everyone could talk without getting confused by the rules or interrupted by the usual craziness. Neville had just finished telling everyone about the trip he and his grand had taken to Italy. "'Did you take any pictures?' Anthony asked. "'No, I didn't have a camera,' said Neville, rather disappointed that he didn't think about getting one before. "'Oh!' Hannah exclaimed and jumped up from her spot around the coffee table. "'I forgot to show you all!' She scurried to her room, and they all watched her, amused by the enthusiastic display from the normally calm and quiet girl." In just a few seconds, however, her excitement was understood as she returned to the group with a sizable camera in her hands. "'This was my Christmas gift from my mum and dad,' she said proudly, placing it on the table so everyone could see it clearly. It was the type that needed to be held with two hands, possibly professional grade, and had a long lens and large flashbulb. "'It's a brand new model, and it can take still pictures like muggle cameras or moving ones like ours. There's a switch on the side that lets me pick. I can also take them in color or black and white.' Everyone was peering closely at the impressive device as she continued. I can also zoom in or out at distances ten times that of a regular muggle camera. What does that mean? asked Theo. Well, for example, Hannah looked around the room for a moment and pointed in the direction of the boys' chambers. Everyone look over there at the doorknob on Draco's room. All ten pairs of eyes focused on the round bronze knob of his closed door. You see how it looks from here, right? Nine heads nodded. Now, if I were to take a picture without changing anything on the camera, the photo would show the doorknob exactly as we see it. But if I zoom in, she picked up the camera and pushed a button, causing the lens to slowly slide forward, stretching out from the front of the device. Look! She passed the camera to Neville, who was sitting directly next to her, and indicated that he should look through the tiny window at the top of the camera. No way! he muttered in disbelief as he peered through the viewfinder. What? asked a chorus of voices. I could see the scroll work etched into the knob and the wood grain on the door behind it. The astonishment and disbelief that met his statement was unsurprising, seeing as they were all sitting at least twenty yards away from the door in question, and could definitely not make out those kind of details at such a distance. Hannah graciously allowed her new possession to be passed around, and everyone was thoroughly impressed with its capabilities. Once the camera had made its way around the table, she demonstrated the zooming out feature, which created something akin to a panoramic view of the room. Again, this feat was met with great enthusiasm, as they all had a chance to take a look for themselves. Upon claiming her gift once more, Hannah announced an idea to the group. I was thinking it might be fun to put up a photo board in here. She gestured to the blank section of the wall right next to the door leading to the corridor. I'd love to get a picture of our game nights and any whole group events we do for our first years, even just random pictures of all of us. This is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing we're part of, yeah? I mean, when else are we going to offer an eighth year? Her suggestion was met with mutual agreement and understanding, and Daphne immediately suggested they take some group photos right then. After several minutes of maneuvering, and Hannah rushing off and returning with something she called a tripod, they were all seated on or standing behind the biggest couch, arms flung around each other and grins on their faces. They took three pictures, just to be sure at least one would be good, and then disentangled themselves to continue their momentarily forgotten card game, with Hannah promising to develop the pictures the next day. As they settled back into the game, Luna asked Padma how her sister was doing, which caused a mildly uncomfortable silence, and Draco's hand froze in midair as he was getting ready to draw a card from the deck. 
His eyes flew to Padma's, and she met them with a small, apologetic smile on her face. She's all right, I guess. I really am sorry about New Year's. I shouldn't have pushed her to come. I honestly thought she would feel better if she just got out of the house and saw her friends. She shrugged and gave a defeated sigh. She barely spoke to me the rest of the holiday. She hugged me goodbye before I left to come back here, but I think that was only because Mum was standing right there. My parents don't know what to do to help her. Is she still going to a mind healer? Hermione asked quietly. Padma nodded. She doesn't like it, but she goes. I don't know that she says very much to the healer, but I know my parents are hoping that with time she'll open up, and then they'll be able to truly help her. Has she spoken to anyone who lost someone else that day? Hannah posed the question gently, and Padma looked at her, bemused. I just mean, sometimes it helps to talk to someone who has experienced the same thing. Padma looked to be considering the suggestion. I don't think she has. She's barely spoken to anyone in our immediate family, so I doubt she's talking to anyone outside. She glanced around the table at her housemates. Do any of you know anyone she could possibly talk to? Silence fell for a few moments as they all thought. Hermione spoke up. The Weasleys lost Fred, so Ron would be someone her age that she could potentially talk to. I could ask him tonight if he'd be all right with that. Ginny, too. Dennis Creevy lost his brother, Colin, suggested Dean. He was a couple years younger, but he was a Gryffindor, too. As the conversation swirled around him, Draco thought of Crab, who had died in the fiend fire that had demolished part of the very room they were currently sitting in. He highly doubted that Pavardi would ever feel comfortable talking to him about anything, much less the loss of a friend, and he was slightly ashamed to acknowledge that he must not have been a very good one since he hadn't thought of Crab in months. Suddenly he felt Hermione lean into his arm and glance sideways to find her peering at him speculatively. "'Everything okay?' she whispered. He nodded and quirked a small smile, thankful for the hundredth time that she had come into his life. She always seemed to know when his thoughts were dragging him down, and even though he knew that simply was part of humanity, the fact that she cared enough to notice meant the world to him. He hoped she knew how much he appreciated her, but more importantly, he wanted to be there for her as well. He wanted to be a source of encouragement and comfort. He wanted to be someone she could depend on, someone she could trust with unwavering certainty. Surprisingly, he realized that he was honestly wanted to be considered a good friend to each of his housemates sitting around the table, and he decided to make that a New Year's resolution of sorts. Draco had just entered Professor Weasley's office when the flu roared to life with his ministry-approved friend appeared looking around rather winded and, if possible, even more disheveled than usual. He bit the inside of his cheek to keep from making a snide comment, knowing that Harry would jump right into whatever explanation the situation warranted. Potter, he drawled amicably as he stretched out in one of the chairs they regularly occupied. Malfoy, Harry attempted to flatten his hair but gave up when the pale blonde snorted and smirked at him for it. He flung himself into an empty chair and dug a thick envelope out of his pocket. We've heard from Alcott. He handed the still-sealed letter to Draco, who immediately sat at attention, his heart racing. I was just on my way out when Robards flagged me down with this. He nodded to the missive he'd brought. It had been delivered to his office by mistake, and I didn't want to come without it, since I knew we'd both want to read it, but I didn't want to be late. He sucked in a winded breath and waved his hand in a vague way that meant to encompass everything leading up to their current point. No problem. I'm surprised to hear from him so quickly. It hasn't even been two weeks. He was muttering more to himself than Harry, but the former Gryffindor hummed in agreement as Draco carefully opened the flap, admiring the gold seal his distant relative had used. Three separate pieces of parchment were contained within, and Draco stood to spread them out on Bill's desk as the two young men could peruse everything at the same time. The first page was a letter from Alcott dated just two days after their own note had been sent. 
He thanked them for their inquiries and was very interested in hearing more about the people being referred to. The second piece of parchment was a very detailed description of the aged wizard's most recent discoveries regarding the reversal of deep-seated memory charms, even going so far as to share the exact wand movements, incantations, and potion ingredients he had used. The third was another letter, dated just the day before, in which he offered his assistance in any way they might need. He suggested that perhaps they could meet sometime soon, as long as they were willing to come to him since he tried to limit the amount of international travel he engaged in these days. Both Harry and Draco were buzzing with excitement, after ingesting all the information and gaped out at one another for several seconds, quite overcome by this giant step forward in their hopeful plans. "'Okay,' Harry started pacing the office. "'He wants to meet. I don't think there's any way I can get permission for you to come with me for something like this. You're not allowed any international travel except to school, and since this isn't an emergency for your family or anything—' He trailed off, grimacing apologetically at Draco. "'No, no, it's completely fine,' Draco exclaimed not wanting the other wizard to waste any time worrying about his feelings on the matter. You go as soon as you can set it up. You know even more about her parents' situation than I do anyway, so it should be you, out of the two of us. He met those now familiar green eyes with insistence, and Harry huffed out some of his pent-up energy. All right, let's draft a letter to him, explaining you're at school and that you are sending me to meet with him. You should write down some questions or thoughts for me to bring along, so he acknowledges that you are actively invested in this, too. Draco nodded. I can do that but let's get a response set out to him first. With that, they spent the next hour drafting a reply explaining their current situation, as well as several more details about Hermione's parents, and Harry's preference to meet as soon as possible. Once the final draft was complete, as Draco had insisted on sending a letter with no ink blotches or scratched-out phrases, he handed it to Harry, who promised to send an owl as soon as he got back to the office. As he made his way back to the room, Draco couldn't help feeling anxiously hopeful. Maybe this distant relation of his could help them. Maybe Alcott could actually reverse the spell for Hermione's parents. He could imagine how elated she would be, and he wanted so badly to be the one to give her this. In his mind, being able to fix this for her was part of his atonement for all of the wrongs he'd inflicted on her over the years, as well as his way of thanking her for everything she had done for him in such a short time. He had only been on friendly speaking terms with her for roughly six months now, and yet he struggled to remember his life before her. It seemed as if she'd always been there— and while in a very different way, that was partially true. Her presence nowadays brought him a sense of peace and contentment he'd never known before. He grinned to himself as her beautiful smile and chaotic curls came across his mind, and he picked up his pace as he continued down the corridor.